right. Um, it's it's really good to to be able to gather and. Um, I wanted to just remind us kind of where we are as we are in the middle of our sermon series. The first message that we talked about was this invitation to faith. Um, talking, starting in Hebrews chapter 10, the invitation to faith, hope, and love. Um, and this whole series sets us up for a, this, this challenge, this way, this way that we think about how we live our lives. And so the first message is this invitation um, to faith, hope, and love. The second was a reminder of our faith, that we should um, be also not only just remember what our faith is, but it is, comes with a warning that we should be very careful about, especially the times when times get tough in the moments that we walk away from our faith. And last week, we talked about this definition of faith. What does it mean to have faith? And we talked about getting on the same page so that we can have a clear understanding about what faith is. Um, and then this week, we're going to be talking about a checkup list. And we're going to go through, in the middle of our Hebrew series, we're going to go through a short kind of mini-series within the Hebrew series uh, to talk about some very practical ways and pretty very practical aspects of our faith. Um, we call this the checkup list. We call this the checkup list. And um, Pastor Dick and David and the English staff, we talked about uh, what, what, how do we frame this in a way that we can really understand, we can really get what's going on. Um, and so we thought of things like maybe a checklist, um, an inventory, and, or maybe like a, a, a spiritual, like, you know, like uh, just basically a list that we could check off for ourselves. And what we decided up decided on is this idea of a checkup list. So recently I went to the doctor's office for my annual checkup. Now, growing up, I hated going to the doctor. When I finally had the option to choose, which was in college, I decided that I would not go see the doctor unless something was absolutely broken. And even then, I decided, you know what, I can probably fix it myself because I'm a college student and I'm a genius and I can do whatever I want. All right, some of our college students, you guys feel that way and you guys are geniuses and you can do whatever you want. Yes, absolutely. So I remember when I first started dating um, my wife, she asked me, hey, when's the last time you went to the doctor's office? And I was like, it was a while ago. And she was like, when was that? Maybe a couple of years, maybe six or seven, right? And so, and so she, she looked at me, and she was dumbfounded. And she said, you need to go to the doctor's office. And I said, why? Why do I need to go to the doctor's office? Why should I? And she was like, you don't know what's going on inside. How would you know? You're not a doctor. And I said, I... Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm okay. I feel good, and therefore I'm okay, right? When it comes to our spiritual lives, how many of us have had the time or spent the time to really do a checkup as to what is going on in internally? And this is where we want to sit for a little bit um, in our series is to really take a moment and evaluate how each and every one of us are doing spiritually. Now, um, this past time, I, when I went to the... So I started, after we got married, I started going to the doctor. No, okay. 
I, after we got married five years within that time period, that's when I started going to the doctor, okay? So um, started going to the doctor more regularly. And then obviously with COVID, we didn't get to go do our annual checkup. This past, this earlier this year, I went to do my annual checkup because I, you know, just trying to be a little bit more of an adult now, now that I have a kid, you know, it's just, that's when things usually happen, okay? So um, I went and then what, what I uh one of the things that they, they send to you after you go to the doctor's office is this full report. They take your blood and they, they do all these checkups. So they check your lungs, they check your joints, they check all of your uh, levels in your blood and um, like you know how much sugar you're intaking if you're close to being diabetic, all of those things. Um, and what I found out this past time was there was something wrong with my liver. Um, and my numbers, so the normal range is around zero to 44. The numbers that I got was 650. So you're like, like, okay, now if you know, if there's something wrong with your liver, that means there's something seriously wrong, right? That's really, really bad. Um, just, just for um, story's sake, I am okay now, so my numbers are back within the normal range, so nobody freak out, um, nobody call Raymond Yao. Raymond Yao is a, so I called Raymond already, um, and he looked at me through FaceTime, and then he just, he looked at me and he goes, yeah, you look okay, you're fine, right? This is from, uh, so Raymond, if you guys don't know, Raymond Yao is a pharmacist and he works with liver patients. And so I was freaking out and he told me, like, by looking at my face through FaceTime, he's like, oh, you're fine. Okay. So I had to believe him, right? So he's the doctor. He's a pharmacist. I'm not, you know, so. When it, when it comes to these checkups and when we take a really good, when, the, the idea here is for us to really look at each and every one of these categories to really see if there's something wrong. If there's something actually not quite right with maybe, not specifically your liver of faith, um, but something along those lines, right? And so when it comes to our faith and our understanding of faith, what we wanted to do is break this down for us and actually have a time of evaluation for each aspect of our faith. And so just as a reminder, I wanted to go um, and talk, I wanted to... Um, just remind us of the definition that we were talking about last week. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. The assurance is like a title or a deed. It is a guarantee of the things that we are hoping for because of who God is. Because our faith is in God, it is a guarantee that the things that we put our faith in, God will answer accordingly. And then the conviction of things unseen are those things that are Having, is having the evidence and the proof that makes it undeniable. That is what our faith, the definition of our faith is based on. And so if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, um, if you need a Bible, go, we're going to go ahead and put the verses up on the screen. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. We're just going to look at the next four verses, verses 4 through 7. All right, so Hebrews chapter 11, starting from verse 4, and we're going to go to verse 7 today. Um, and this is what it says. By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And by faith, 
Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Today, we're going to be looking at three aspects of our checkup list, right? And it's going to consist of our worship, our walk, and our witnessing, all right? It just happened to work out that they're all W's, okay? Um, and so, so we're going to be talking about these three aspects and how each one of the examples that we, we just read about is an example of these things. And so the first one is worshiping with Abel. Now, this is what it says. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. This passage teaches us that Abel offered a more acceptable offering than his brother Cain. This word, more acceptable, has this meaning of, of greater value, of greater value. Um, and I, I don't want to assume that all of us know the story, so let's take a look, quick look in Genesis chapter 4 as to exactly what's going on. This is what it says. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So this is the story that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. The story of Cain and Abel. And then the writer says, Abel's offering was of more value. Now, we're not talking about financially more value because if we're following the story of Genesis, it's Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, right? And so as far as monetary value or a sort of like, is it worth more? Um, there probably wasn't some sort of like monetary system set up back then. And so what are we talking about here? We're talking about this idea that the ancient New Easterns have of the fat portions, right? This is what the, the scripture teaches us, that Abel offered the fat portions. What this means is that Abel offered the best of his offering, the first fruits of his offering. He gave the fat of his life, livestock. What that means is Abel took what was first and what was best, and he offered that to the Lord in faith. Right? In the passage, it says that Cain gave some of his fruits, Gave some of his fruits, but Abel gave his first fruits. Right? Cain offered some fruits, but Abel offered his first fruits. Abel had the faith that if he brought God his best, he would be commended. He would be commended. And this is why Abel is on this list, um, as many people know, as the hall of faith. Right? For the writer of Hebrews... What, Abel offered, what gave Abel's offering greater value was his faith and not the fact that it was an animal sacrifice. Abel decided, you know what, God, because of my faith, God deserves my best. God should be getting my best. And so when it comes to our, our idea of what worship is or our, our worshiping of God or our worship, or what are we worshiping? And so I wanted to ask us a question of this, this kind of checkup question of how is our worship? How is your worship? 
I think during this past year, especially through the pandemic, um, and, and being online almost all the time, um, worship has been this kind of secondary thing that we, we uh, as Christians, as believers, we've suddenly taken it for granted, right? Not only are we saying like, hey, you can stream us online at FBCC, uh, but you can go to these mega churches. You can go to the Austin Stone, or you can go uh, to uh, Rick Warren's church, or you go to Tim Keller's church, or you can go to Hillsong Church, or you can go to all of these different churches. Um, and what it usually happens, and I don't know how this was for you guys, but it was kind of playing in the background. Right? When, well, on Sunday mornings, I would wake up, and I wouldn't even sometimes bother brushing my teeth. I brushed my teeth this morning, okay, so don't worry. But I would come, roll out of bed, and I would just sit in my sit on my couch. I would turn on um, FBCC stream because I work here, you know that that's part of it. Um, but but this idea of when when we came and we worshipped God, it was very much like this. Man, I really hope Pastor Dick is entertaining today, right? Oh man, I hope Pastor Sam tells some really good stories today, you know. Um, uh, like, hey, I just want to see what their background looks like this week, you know, and, and, and when it came to our worship, it was really not bringing the first fruits of who we are, right? It was more of our attitude was a lot more like Cain. We brought some fruits, something, you know, um, and, and I know that, like, for us, we were joking about bringing, like, finding whatever leftover bread, you know, Stale bread was in our kitchen or whatever juice or coffee we happen to be drinking for communion, right? And, and we joke about that. And, yeah, like, I think it's really funny. And, of course, those are, those are the circumstances that we were living in. But there is a value here that we're talking about that we have let our worship slide. We are coming before the presence of the most holy God, the creator of the universe, the God who created Things from the invisible to the visible, and we're saying, eh, okay, yeah. I would rather be scrolling on Instagram. I would rather be doing something else than giving God my first fruits. When it comes to the things that we are, and our, our worship of God, and, and I, I, for right now, I do want to specifically talk about our worship on Sundays. What have we, like our worship is not about us. When we come to church on Sundays, we come to worship God as a community. Whether we're online, whether we're in A157, whether we're in Pearland, we come together to worship God in community, and to, to come before the Lord, and we bring God our best. We bring God our best. We put our best foot forward. We present to God because we realize how faithful, how good, how amazing, how awesome God is. Right? And, and for some of us, and I'm not, I'm not excluding myself from this group. I myself, like I shared, really allowed myself to think of worship as something that was some fruits. Some fruits. Just here, God, you know, whatever. Like, what kind of change do I, well, we, I guess we don't carry change. We all have Venmo, right? What, what leftovers do I have and and can I give God those things? Is that an acceptable offering to the God of the universe? Is it an acceptable offering? Right? And so 
I think that's the first part of our checkup. When it comes to our worship, and I also want to talk about the, 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 all of the aspects of our lives when it comes to our worship. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to trusting God, when it comes to the things that we care about, right? The Bible talks about money a lot. Are we presenting God with the first fruits, right? So for my, for my middle school students and my high school students, you guys don't make money. So we, we understand, yeah. So we're not asking you to give financially, but we're asking this question. The things that God has provided for you, are you, are you allowing God to take those things as first fruits? I'm not saying that you have to give all of your money to God, but I am saying that it is an important aspect for us to think about. Do we trust that, like, like Abel did, that when we present God with our best, our first fruits, the best that we have, that he will be faithful and he will provide. He will always provide for us. He will always make sure that we are taken care of. And do we believe in who God says he is and what God says he will do? How's your worship? How has that been? Secondly, we're talking about walking. And we're looking at the story of Enoch. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, I think Enoch is a very, very interesting story. And Enoch only gets about three to four verses in, in the Bible um, as far as his story. And so I wanted to review that for us just in case some of us didn't know. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 5. Um, there's actually one more verse before this talking about Enoch. Um, and the verse basically says that Enoch had a child when he was 65. Okay. Now, um, when Isaiah was born, I was 35. And so I, thinking about having a kid 30 years from now, that sounds really, really scary. So um, th this is what the Bible says about Enoch. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. And that's, that's what we get about the story of Enoch. He was faithful, he walked with God, and then he was gone. Now, when we think about these stories, we don't think, hey, man, you know, King David got three or four or five books written about him. Abraham got a, the entirety, the rest of Genesis written about him, over 40 chapters written about, Gen, uh, about Abraham. And not only that, Abraham gets talked about over and over and over again. And as a matter of fact, we'll talk about Abraham next week. Enoch gets three verses, four verses. And it says this. But let's, let's not look past the importance of what this, this passage says about Enoch. It says that he walked with God for 300 years. He walked with God for 300 years. So we're not only talking about the action of walking with God, but the longevity of walking with God. In Hebrews, it says that by faith, Enoch was taken up and not, did not see death. When we looked at Abel's story, we, we know that it is through Abel's death that we see God's commendation. Abel was the first murder recorded in the Bible. In, in contrast, Enoch did not die. Instead, Enoch was taken up by God. And what do they have in common? 
was their faith in who God is. Now, Enoch, it says that Enoch walked by faith. And in this particular um, context, what this means by walking with God is this idea of choosing a certain course of life. Now, can you imagine choosing a certain course of life for 300 years? Some of us who are just graduated can't even imagine working for one company for more than one year. Right? When I was working, like I shared last week, I worked for Dell. I worked for Dell for less than one year, and I was sick of it. I was so done. Right? Can you imagine working for one company for 300 years? That sounds exhausting. It sounds tiring. Yet this is what the Bible is teaching us, that Enoch chose this certain course of life. He chose to walk with God. This is the, the path that he chose to go on, to walk by faith. And it has this sense of, this is how I have chosen to live my life. I have chosen to live my life in this way, that I would every single day walk with God. And let's be clear that our walk with God is a daily choice. It's not something that, oh, you know, one day... I'm here, and then the next day, I can jump leaps and bounds ahead. This idea that we walk by faith, we walk with God, how amazing would it be to be known as someone who walked with God on a daily basis? What this means for us is it's a daily choice. That every single day, we choose the small things that make a difference in our daily walk with God. It's not just about the big, grand choices. Yes, like when we go to camp, we want you to make big choices. We want you to commit, recommit your life. We want you to um, be able to make choices for Jesus. We want you to, because especially at camp, especially at our retreats and things like that, we get you away from what the world is saying. We get you off your phones. We get you away from social media. And then we really focus and be able to think about who God is in, in our lives. Those moments are great. But those moments are not lasting. Those are not, those moments are fleeting. What we want to do as Christians, as believers, is think about every single day, how do we take up our cross and follow Jesus? On a day-to-day -day basis. How is your walk with God? Our question is this. What are the daily things that you are choosing to do? What have you chosen to do on a day-to-day -day basis? Because, yes, we can make those leaps and bounds. And those things are possible. But what really helps us to walk consistently with God is those day-to-day -day choices. Every single morning when I wake up, um, before Isaiah was born, the first thing that I did was check my phone. Right? That is a choice that I made. That is a choice that I made. Every single day, the first thing that I would do is grab my phone, make sure that nobody texted me, make sure that I didn't miss any of... Um, especially during the pandemic, is if, that I checked all the playoff scores, made sure that I didn't miss anything from the sports world, um, and then I would go make myself a cup of coffee and go about my day. Right? So this goes into the, the, the first thing, the best, I, and I'm definitely a morning person. So when I woke up, the first fruits and the choices that I made, my worship and my walk with God was connected to my cell phone. Right? That, that's what I chose to do every single morning. Right? 
Now, it's a little different. When I wake up, um, I have to go change a diaper. That's the first thing that I do, okay? It's a little different, and, and I'm not saying it's more worshipful or it's more, you know, um, anything else. But this idea that we, every single day, what is the first thing that you do? What is the first thing that I do when I wake up? What are those choices that we made on a day-to-day basis that really affected our walk with God? And let's be real here. A lot of us, it's because we've made these choices over the course of a really, 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 really long time that our walk with God has either, it's, it's either gotten stuck, it's plateaued, or we've taken steps back because we haven't been giving God our best We've made these daily choices in order to either numb ourselves to the world, to just do the things that we want to do. We've not made this daily choice to choose God first, to walk with God in faith. One of the biggest struggles that I have personally is um, this idea of gaining and losing weight, right? So... I remember when I graduated from high school, I was 175 pounds. And then the first year of college, I went to UT. And those of you who guys went to UT in the early 2000s know, one, the food was not very good. Not that it's a lot better now, but it's better than when I went. But, and then two, there was an unlimited amount of food there. Okay? So I came back, and I gained what they call the freshman 20, 25-ish. Okay? Right? And I remember I came back to church. Um, I had done, done this thing that college students do, which is not cut your hair for a really long time. Um, and so I came back. I was maybe 15 to 20 pounds heavier. And then one of the aunties and, uh, came up to me immediately, and I recognized her. And I was like, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a long time. And, then, and the first thing that she said to me was, hey, you look fatter. I was, uh, I mean, obviously... As a guy, you're like, oh, that's okay. It's all like, you know, it's, uh, it's, I've been lifting weights. You know, I've been going to Greg every single day. You know, I just, uh, you know, d- d- yeah. You know, and, and, and but the, the truth of the matter is that really cut me deep. You know, I, I'm actually very, very self-conscious about how I look. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is those, uh, when I think back on it, it wasn't the, all of a sudden I, the, the daily choices that I made you know, it wasn't I gained 15 pounds in one week. It wasn't I gained 20 pounds in one week or in a few days. But over the course of the year, I made choices on a day-to-day basis that allowed me to, to push this boundary that I had of just gaining more weight and getting heavier. Right? And, and each one of us, we've, we make those daily choices. We make those daily choices, but we think about things like our weight. We think about things like our careers. We think about things like our grades. We make those daily choices, but we don't think about how it affects our walk with God. We don't make those because that's not a priority in our, in our minds. And many of times, it, it, it isn't. And so where are we in our faith? Where are we in our faith? How is your walk with God? What have you been doing in your daily decisions, in your daily choices that help you along in this way a feeling near to God, a feeling close to God. Number three, witnessing. 
Now, we are, those of you who grew up in the church or those of you who watch Veggie Tales, you are very familiar with the story of Noah, right? Noah built an ark, a lot of rain comes, um, and a lot of people are gone, and Noah is left with his family, right? And there's some bird, and there's some, you know, um, you know rainbow, you know, there's, there's a, so we all know the story, right? And so um, I'm not going to go into Noah's stories too much, but I do want to review what the writer of Hebrews says about Noah. It says this, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that, uh, that comes by faith. And I want to break Noah's story up into two different the story of Noah's faith into two different aspects. First is God, Noah's reverent fear of God. And through that reverent fear, he received his inheritance. Noah became an heir of righteousness by his faith. It means that Noah cared so much about what God thought about him that he obeyed God. There's several times in the book of Genesis when you're reading Noah's story that this one sentence is singled out, and it says this, that Noah did everything God commanded him. Now, if you can imagine Noah's story, there's, it's in ancient times, there's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, there's no weather app to tell you if it's going to rain. God says, hey, I want you to build this giant boat. And then you're like, okay, cool, God, yeah, let me, let me just build this giant boat. Let me put a bunch of animals on here. This sounds like a great idea. Right? Can you imagine the ridicule, the criticism, the mockery, the foolishness of Noah in that day? Can you imagine that? Doing something because God told you to do. God, because Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. Think about all of the voices. Think about all of the, 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 the people saying things about Noah. Noah's faith was out of reverent fear of who God is. And because of that, he received his inheritance. And the passage says that this inheritance, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes with faith. The writer of Hebrews is, is connecting this from a verse from chapter 2, where he's talking to the Christians of that day, promising them of the world that is yet to come. We as Christians, we need to realize that when we choose to follow Jesus, we remember that when we choose to follow Jesus, that we will receive the inheritance that he has promised us. We will receive the, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the fact that Jesus one day will return to us. Many times for us, when we talk about witnessing, we think about sharing our faith. But what I want to focus on here is this actual seeing. The actual seeing. Noah's family was saved because of Noah's faith. Noah's, fa Noah's family was saved because of Noah's faith. His faith led to the preservation of his family. And likewise, as we continue to trust God, we, should we will encourage others to do so. That other Christians, other believers will also enter into the full inheritance, which is this community, which is the universal church, which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because of Noah's faith, there was a direct salvation for his family. 
They saw him build the ark. They saw him live through the ridicule, the, 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 the criticism of all of the people around them. And they saw that God would fulfilled his promise that he flooded the earth, but saved his family. Now, this doesn't mean that if you and I are faithful or you and I are Christians, it automatically means that the rest of our family is saved. That's not what this is saying. But what this does mean is that people are watching. People see your faithfulness. People see the way that you live your life, your worship, your walk, and and they are the ones that are witnessing. We ourselves witness other people walking in faith. And this is the whole point of looking at these stories, these people who have walked by faith ahead of us. When we see other people's faithfulness, that's when people are drawn to the Lord. They're drawn to our God. When I was younger, um, my grandparents lived in a house that was a little bit further down the street from us. Um, and I've shared this story before, but I feel like this is very applicable. Um, so my Wai Gong, my grandpa, had this really, I actually don't know what kind of tree it was, but he had this tree in his front yard, and it was dying. Something happened to it, and it was just not surviving. Um, and so I remember my parents, my aunt and my uncle, they had all gathered around, and they were like trying to evangelize to my my grandpa and just, telling him about Jesus and all of these things. And, and then I remember um, my aunt saying, okay, as a whole family, so our entire family, we went out to the front yard, and they were like, let's pray for this tree. Like, I'm like, cool, like, we're going to pray for a tree. That, that's great. And then I remember listening to my, my grandpa's prayer, and he, he put his hand on this tree, and he said, God, if you're real, I want you to heal this tree. And if you heal this tree, then I will be a believer. Right? And I was like, Okay, like, that's cool. Like, I'm not sure if this is going to happen, right? Fast forward a few months, tree dies, okay? Tree's gone. Tree's dead, right? And I was like, thinking about it, I'm like, does that mean for the rest of eternity, because of this stupid tree, my grandpa will never be a believer? Years later, okay, years later, um, well, my grandma actually had been diagnosed with lung cancer, and it, it came back. It was the second time around. Um, and she was a woman of faith. Uh, she was a woman of faith. She lived, she walked, she worshiped God with everything that she had. She's the reason why our family is our, our family of believers. Um, and through her struggle of can- with cancer, through her life, my grandpa, one day, he, he eventually saw the way that she lived her life, saw the way that she, her influence and her faith made such an impact in our family that he accepted Jesus as his savior. It was through my grandmother's faith, witnessing that faith, that he became a believer. Not because of some stupid tree, but because of faith that we can bring others along and bring others to Christ and bring along others in this journey that we as Christians know as salvation. It is through our faithfulness, through this witness. And so this question for us is, who is witnessing your faith? Who are the people that are surrounding you? You may not, as a college student, you may not know 
that our young people are looking to you. Not just our young people, but the, the older people in here. They see what you're doing. They hear the messages that you're saying. That we need to be good neighbors. We need to take Jesus' message seriously when it talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. People are hearing what you're saying. They're hearing what you're doing. They're seeing how you live your life, how you worship, how you walk. This all is enveloped in our witness. Can, are we aware that not only are people looking to us, but we are also looking to others as well? Chapter 12 talks about a great cloud of witnesses. Right? And through this, as a faith community, we can continue to grow stronger, and our faith will continue to grow. Can we be a generation that witnesses and allows other people to witness our faith? How is your witness doing? And I think one of the most important verses in this whole chapter is, is verse 6. We talked about this in our preaching meeting. It says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. As Christians, this is our goal. Our goal is not to please ourselves, to make sure that we are living our best lives. Our goal is to please God, to live our lives for God. And that's where our faith comes in because when we give God our best, when we worship God, when we walk with God, when we witness for God in our faith, we believe these two things that it says in verse 6, that he exists and that he will reward those who seek him. We believe that God exists and we, we believe that God will do the things that he says he will and he is who he says he is. That God is faithful even in those times that we are not. So what does this mean for us? Let's go through this. As we're going through chapter 11, let's go through this checkup list. Let's really ask ourselves these questions. How is my worship? How is my walk? How is my witness? Who are the people that are, that are seeing us as we walk in our faith? This week, I want you to ask yourselves this question. What is one area that maybe you haven't been giving God your best. I don't know what that is. Really take the time to think about it, evaluate that, and begin making those small steps. Secondly, what daily choices are we making to walk with God? I'm not saying that you have to do your devotions every single day. All right? But I am saying that the more time you and I make these, we are, we're making these decisions the, either the closer or the further away we are drawing from God. What are some things that you and I can do this week to make sure that we are walking with God? Lastly, let's ask ourselves these questions. Who is seeing us? Who is seeing our lives? Do we have this reverent fear as Noah did of who God is? That we know that God is faithful. Now these things that we're talking about, like I said, it's not going to be leaps and bounds all at once. You may make these decisions. There may be times there are leaps and bounds in our faith. All of a sudden, you will miraculously get better, right? I don't know how 
Um, but it took, it took, I think, four to five months for my numbers to go from 650 to about 30 for my liver, right? And I'm talking about my liver, right? Those numbers. It takes time. It takes time. So this checkup is for us not to say, hey, let's just jump from one thing to another, but to really evaluate and take the necessary steps as we move forward. So can we do that as a church? We're going to continue on in this series, so we're going to continue to invite you guys for the next following weeks to join us and continue on in this checkup. So let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for who you are. That in those moments um, that we maybe haven't taken the time to do our checkups, that we haven't taken the time um, to evaluate how we are doing, um, God, we pray that you can just speak to us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us, um, to give us those ideas of what it means uh, to worship you, to give you our best, to walk, to walk with you, and to be witnesses. And Lord, we ask as we are a faith community that we continue to strengthen us, to embolden us, to not allow us to give up meeting together but to move forward, to gather together, to continue to encourage one another as we see the day draw near. So, God, we thank you for your word. We thank for, we're thankful for who you are. And, Lord, we, yeah, we love you, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.